Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. It's Sunday morning, and of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, a very good morning to Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Pam, and good morning to everybody out there. I hope everybody's awake and listening and... We've got all the effort to be here, so please be listening. Uh, And it is a bit miserable out there today. Uh, I drove through showers on the way down and, yes, not... And it's cold, so it's proper winter weather, really. Um, well, we've really had a very a proper, proper winter. winter. Yeah, yes. we have. Although we haven't had quite enough rain. No, no. Totally no. agree with no. that. We need more Last rain. Last month was very dry. Yeah, but nonetheless, it has been chilly, and uh, in my garden where I keep uh, – I love the American term in zonal denial, uh, <laughs> where they grow things where they shouldn't, shouldn't be. Yeah, and grow. so I'm also of that ilk, uh, and so black is the new green in my garden, yes. unfortunately. Uh, but most of the things will come back again, but, you know, it's looking a bit dreary, some of my bigger plants. and I don't know why I keep growing plectranthus, but anyhow, <laughs> it, it ha- we've had some corker frosts. Mm. Um, that'll f- knock off a few bugs hopefully, and uh, and it'll crumble the ground and it'll do all the things that it should be doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to whinge too much, but I don't think it's going to be a very pleasant day up at work today. But if, if people want to come up to Mount Macedon today and visit me, that they would be fine. They can keep your company. Yeah, they could help. Yeah, you I'll let them all come jump up my... and down on the spot to yeah, keep warm. They can come into my office. I'll let them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, I don't think it's going to be a busy day today, but there's lots of work to do. There always is in a nursery, so Absolutely. I'll keep myself entertained, yep. I'm sure. And I'm delighted to welcome back Meryl Johnson from Country Farm Perennials. Morning, Meryl. Good morning, everyone. It's just lovely to be home in Australia and here at 3CR, back with the gardeners. (laughs) (laughs) And I was outside gardening most of yesterday. I have to say the wind was a little chilly, Mm. but I brought back from the Shetland Islands a very thick beanie cap, which was a match for even a cold winter wind. <laughs> and there I was in my tam looking very Scottish. Yeah, I was going Wonderful. to say, you must have looked splendiferous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but it certainly kept that cold, biting wind. And then it was lovely gardening. And I was just amazed at how much is actually sprouting. Mm. There's little noses poking up all around the place from underground. Yep. It's all on the move. But I agree, you need to give special attention at the moment to under the trees in our garden anyway. It's fine out in the open areas. The moisture's got down a fair way. Hasn't been a lot of rain, but Mm. there's enough but under the trees, it's really quite dry. So I had to do a little bit of rescue remedy for uh, some of my beautiful winter-blooming shrubs yesterday to make sure that they had enough moisture deep down mm. at the base of the roots. Mm. The mm. Daphnes are, oh, they're just bursting. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my white Daphne is just a blaze of glory at the moment. It's oh. great. And the perfume is mm. wonderful. And it's quite different to the perfume of the pink, totally. isn't it? Yes, the much white is, yes really yes. quite lemony. Yeah. It's delicious. Yes, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's actually my favourite Daphne's in flower at the moment too, and that's Daphne Balua. Oh, yes. Uh, which is a tall shrub one. Uh, can be semi-deciduous depending on which form you get, uh, but it grows up to, oh, it can get to easily three metres. Uh, oh, yes, uh, But this yes. upright conical shrub, and 
and it has a beautiful perfume, but again, it's not the same as not the other the same Daphne's. Perfume. It's a no, unique no. scent, and it tends to flower for me about two or three weeks before the Daphne Odora. Yes, and I think the best thing about it is you can walk straight up to it and stick your nose into it. You don't have to bend. Yes, down. you don't have to get down. <laughs> yeah, uh, an important it, consideration. Yeah, I for think the it knees. is as we get older, um, <laughs> the ground gets further and further away, so you don't want to get down there any more than you have to. Uh, but it's also a great shrub if you're looking for something sort of with that upright conical habit, say for between a pair of windows or at the end of a bed where you want something with a little bit of height but you don't want it to come out over the lawn or over the path too far. Yes, it's very upright. It's a really good shrub, Daphne Balua, and you can get it in a white form, you can get it in a pink form. There are some forms that are more evergreen, some that are semi-deciduous, and I don't actually think it matters terribly much which one you end up with. I think they're all just great winter flowering shrubs. lovely foliage, actually. It's quite glossy and green and deep Mm. and a handsome... It's foliage. a really good plant, and you don't see Balua around in the nurseries terribly often, mm. uh, but it's certainly worth hunting out. Um, I think it's a, a charming Daphne. So I, well I yesterday it. planted another, got to get it right, Sarcococca. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> a, a lovely, again, dark, glossy green, evergreen shrub and blooming, full bloom at the moment, bless yeah. its little white cotton socks, yeah. because it's it's covered in little tubular white flowers with the sweetest, most intense perfume. I love the winter-blooming plants mm. because they do need to haul in their pollinators from long distance. They have to put the advertising material out there. So they tend to have a, a scent that really carries on yeah. the, the breeze. Mm. And there was quite a breeze yesterday. <laughs> yes, actually, you might have taken the scent away yesterday, I think. <laughs> you had to stand downwind. Yeah, yeah. So um, actually, Sarkococca is a great shrub because it's very useful in those comparatively dark spots. Indeed, that's um, where I was putting it. Yeah, I've got a client up at Mount Macedon who's got huge old conifers on their property, one of the big old estates up on Mount Macedon, and, you know, they're giant redwoods and, and cedars and firs and what have you with trunks are sort of about two metres in diameter. So you can imagine underneath these trees... It's a desert. It is. It's awful. Mm. And they've planted huge drifts of sarcococca and it's doing amazingly well. It is very dry shade tolerant, mm. a butte mm. shrub, but mm. handsome all year round and takes the shears well too. You can turn it into a very... Nice shape, according to the yeah. space you wanted to fill. Yeah, so there you go. There's another plant we haven't talked about, as far as I know, for a long Not time. Not for ages. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a great little plant. But it is one of those things that sort of has a subtle charm about it. It's not one of those things that whacks you in the face, uh, but it's just got a nice form. It's got good foliage. The tiny flowers have got a lovely scent. Um, depending on which one you end up with, they have attractive berries either in red or black, depending on which way you go. Uh, and some of them have finer, narrower leaves. I mean, there there's a range of different species out there. They're just they're, good yeah. background stuff yeah, to fill fillers, in the dark. Really good fillers. Yeah. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I think sarcococcus is a plant well worth considering. And, you know, with a little bit of attention, you can sort of make a box head out of it, but it's not quite as firm not as box. Not as tight, no. Yeah, so you can't really get that real tightness that you can with box hedging, but it will grow in the shade that box hedging won't cope with, so you could have actually a box-like hedge, because they do call it winter box uh, in England, uh, so you could get a sort of a boxish hedge in the dark shade. Informal sort yeah. of hedge, Yeah, yes. yes, a little bit lighter and, and airier, but nonetheless, you could trim it up and make it look a bit square. Okay. So, yeah, good plant. Okay. Did you get much wind yesterday? I mean, uh, well, that, I, spend, I mean, the, listening to the forecast, it yeah. was going to be, you know, absolutely dire. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I spent most of the day over in bad. the Dandenongs because oh, I went over to the yep. Dandenongs yesterday. Yep. I'll mention why in a minute. Yep. Um, 
And it was cold, but it wasn't blowy over there. Not gale uh, it was, force. No, no, it wasn't It was gale fairly force. blowy up at home last night when I got home, and we've got a blackwood that needs a bit of trimming back that's rubbing on the side of the house at the moment, so it was sort of scratching and carrying on all evening. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so it was a bit blustery, but, you know, when I left this morning in the dark, I didn't see too much stuff sort of lying around or anything, so I think the garden came through it reasonably yes. well. Mm. But, yeah, it wasn't like they were forecasting these sort no. of dreadful torrential downpours and, and blowing gales from, yeah. you know, at G-force or something. Um, so, there's, yes. There's an amazing amount of stuff flowering out there at the moment. Winter gardens are so interesting. In fact, I think I like them one of the best times of the year because – you're not overwhelmed with things. A lot mm. of the winter flowers are dainty, or small, mm. or richly coloured, or beautifully scented. But there's not a mass, yeah. so you can enjoy each thing so beautifully. And the little crocuses are poking up everywhere yeah. at the moment, and just like little jewels glowing in the. I think the, there's more to it than delight. that, though, Meryl. I think it's the fact that. Because winter is a downtime from the perspective of lots of hard work. I mean, there's always work we can be doing, but you're not sort of looking around and watching the weeds take yeah, over no. and, and things <laughs> an wilt- advancing yeah, army, yeah, yes. and, and, and wilting things over there and then over there somewhere <laughs> yes. and over there somewhere. Um, uh, and so, because the weather's cold, everything's sort of almost in sort of a limboy thing, and you can actually. As long as you're warmly dressed, you can wander Absolutely. the garden at leisure, pulling the odd piece of uh, winter grass or whatever that's still doing its thing, um, without a the genteel pressures. genteel stroll. Yeah, yeah. There's not the same pressures that there are, I think, at other times. Yes, of the that's year. right. And you yeah. really enjoy the little winter mm. jewels. Yeah, I think it's a great time of the year. I yep. do too. Excellent. Okay, I'm going to get to some community announcements. There's not terribly much going on, of course, with this uh, weather, but uh, nevertheless, there are a few brave people. Uh, Opening or doing uh, events of some kind or another. Uh, First up, of course, the first Sunday in the month means that Villa Alba is open to the public today. This is uh, the Historic House and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden. It's open from 1 o'clock through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. Admission $10, concession $8, children are free and afternoon tea is available with a $3 donation which is plunger coffee, a selection of teas and shortbread biscuits. So there you go. If you haven't had breakfast yet, I guess you're feeling hungry. (laughs) Um, Villa Alba, of course, is at 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Now, also on today, it's the second day of their show, the Warringal Orchid Society have got their uh, winter orchid show on today. And uh, the venue is St Sava Community Centre. This is at 212 Diamond Creek Road in Greensboro. Melway's map reference there is 11C8. Entry is $5.00. There's light refreshments, potting demonstrations, orchid accessories, etc. being available. So that's today and uh, the time's 9.30 through to 4 o'clock this afternoon. Now, uh, this is the final call out for uh, Friends of Burnley Gardens Botanical Art Workshops because uh, uh, it's a program of four sessions and it is starting uh, on the 9th of August, so that's next Wednesday. Uh, Now, it's four sessions of two and a half hours. The medium will be watercolour paint and or watercolour pencils, small class size. Um, They're workshops for uh, friends, uh, members and friends as well. Um, And it includes the opportunity to have your botanical illustrations included 
in a soon-to-be-published book on Burnley Gardens. Now, the times are 10 till 12.30pm. As I mentioned, there's a total of four sessions. Cost for members of the Friends Group, 200 uh, For non-members, 240 The venue is Quad 4 Burnley Campus, University of Melbourne there at 500 Yarra Boulevard in Richmond. Parking is in the rear car park uh, off the FR Smith Drive. And uh, bookings are essential. Given that it's starting next Wednesday, I think you'd need to phone and just check there's still still some vacancies there for you. Uh, You can phone 0412-097-068. So that's 0412-097-068. And... uh, just uh, coming up at uh, down at Cranburn Botanic Gardens. Firstly, a reminder that there is um, a botanical art exhibition down there called Native Seduction. It's being held at the gardens right through the month of August. Uh, it's an art exhibition depicting the fascinating relationship between plants and their pollinators. Now, it's on display daily in the visitor's centre uh, the paintings have been created by the Botanical Illustrators Group and uh, also works by several of their tutors is included. There's a variety of mediums and techniques uh, showing and all paintings are for sale. Commission from sales go to supporting the Cranbourne Gardens. Now, in conjunction with that, there will be an afternoon talk coming up next Sunday, the 13th of August, 2 o'clock till 3 p.m., This will be held in the Australian Garden Auditorium down at Cranbourne and it's called uh, Fascination of Orchid Pollination with Mitch Smith. Now, uh, Mitch, uh, he's had no formal training. He's a self-professed ecologist environmentalist and he's been doing some groundbreaking work um, uh, with Rudy Cooter on uh, Victoria's orchid pollinators. It's believed to be the most comprehensive work to date with pollinators described for approximately 150 species of orchids. So uh, that's fascinating, really fascinating. Um, The cost, members $20, non-members $25, students $10. Again, bookings, um, go to www.rbgfriendscranburn, all one word, that's rbgfriendscranburn.org.au or for more information, you can phone 8774-2483. That's 8774-2483. Now, Stephen, you've got some news yes, about up now, in the... Yes, in the Dandenongs. Yeah. Uh, I was up there yesterday uh, with my dear friends Jane and Shirley Tonkin, and uh, many of our listeners would know about Tonkin's Bulbs. Uh, wonderful and you, women. Yes, wonderful women. Lovely people. I'm really fond of Shirley and Jane. Um, and for years they've been selling mail order and they also show up at the Tesla plant fair and all that sort of thing to sell their wares. Uh, and they've decided to have a crack at opening a retail outlet from their property. Now, it is out in the middle of the bush. It's in the midst of the National Park. It's right in the sort of near the big reservoir up there, the Sylvan Reservoir. And so it can be a bit challenging to find your way in. Uh, but I'm is... sure they'll put signs. Oh, they will have a sign at least down at the end of the driveway, but you've got to get onto the right <laughs> road to start with. Um, now, the nursery will be open from 10 till 3 p.m., Friday through Sunday. Okay. So just the three days of the week. And it starts on the 11th of August. 
So, right, not long. Yeah, so next week, basically. Yes. Um, and the Melways reference, which is the easiest thing to use, I tried to use the, the map on my phone and it took me into the car park at the Sylvan Reservoir. <laughs> uh, so don't – and somebody else used their, their – That's their, their, yes, whatever, and it took them miles away. Into yes. the reservoir. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> yeah, possibly into the reservoir. So don't rely on any of that stuff. Um, good old Melways. <laughs> unfortunately, yes. The good old Melways, 120 C12. So it's 120 C12. Now, they specialise in rare bulbs and perennials, particularly bulbs. And when I was up there yesterday, I walked away with a, a shooting Fritillaria imperialis. Oh. And uh, uh, they've got snowdrops in flower. And oh, a lot yes. of the A lot of the early Narcissus are out. They had a lovely stock pot of Narcissus asturiensis in full bloom. Um, and look, it's very basic at the moment. They've just got some tears shelving up outside their packing shed. Uh, uh, Jane's long-term aim is to get a rock garden in the middle of the car park area and sink pots of things that are in flower at the time so people can see them in a sort of a rock They've garden setup. treasures. Oh, some Absolute wonderful plants. Treasures. So it's well worth it. If you're going up into the Dandenongs and you happen to be there on any Friday, Saturday or Sunday from the 11th, find your way in. Uh, and have a look because I think you know anybody who's prepared to open any sort of retail outlet selling interesting plants uh, should be applauded and in fact encouraged. So yes. I would like to see people go out and see Jane and Shirley. They're just lovely people um, and support them by buying some of their beautiful bulbs. Uh, so. I'll repeat it again. It's Melway's reference, 120 C12. And if you want to ring, um, uh, you can ring on 97281295. That's 97281295. Or mobile number 0417-525-371. So that's 0417-525-371. And... You know, as long as this all works, they'll do it throughout the year um, on those three days and, uh, um, you know, they'll play it by year and see how it goes. But uh, I'm hoping it is successful for them because uh, if they're going to put the time and effort into potting these things and they're also going to man the place those three yes. days of the week, I'd like to see them do well out of it. Um, and they really do have great plants. So, And we have to encourage, you know, well, people like ourselves and the, the lovely Tonkin ladies who are prepared to hang in there and, and devote the time to the mm. collections and the treasures and the things that, mm. you know, the big mass nurseries can't be bothered growing. Oh, or can't those... grow. I mean, things like Fridleria Imperialis. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's a treasure. I was talking to um, Shirley yesterday um, over a glass of bubbles um, and she said she's had a really good germination on the seed this year of of Imperialis, so a couple of years down the track, she'll, she'll have, have a good a good supply, supply of, bulb, of them. bulbs of that. And I mean, that's a, a really tr- treasurable plant if you can grow it. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it really does need to be encouraged. This sort of thing, and or we're yeah. going to lose so much. We've yeah. had a query as to what the actual address. Oh, the actual is, address, Stephen. yes, uh, is not on this piece of paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> In the middle of the bush. Uh, yes, it's on um, Alinda Creek Road okay. is the name of the road. It's Calorama. Um, 
And uh, yes, <laughs> um, Jane hasn't put the actual address on the piece of paper she handed me yesterday. But well, yes, you can always ring them up and ask them. Yeah, well, that's right. But it is Melway's reference, uh, 120C12, uh, and it's 320 something or another, uh, meaning it's 3.25 k's in along the road because a lot of those country okay. numbers aren't sort yes. of in the same way as, in fact, suburban numbers are. They actually designate then how far in you are from the the corner. Yes, yes. from the corner, uh, and I think. I think it's 325, but I'm not dead sure, but it's a Linda Creek Road. Well, it'd be very close to 325, yeah. so I'm sure you'd yeah. find it. Yeah, so yeah. and and some of the things come up as a Linda Creek track too, I've noticed on oh. my – it came up <laughs> as track on my my. Is that a forewarning of what you're going to meet? Well, it's a dirt road. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but oh, perfectly civilised for yeah. normal cars. Yes, that's yeah. right, exactly. You don't need the four-wheel drive no. in, four-wheel drive to get there, although okay. I wondered about their driveway with my funny little van, but I did get up there all right. So, okay. And it was a bit wet and miserable on the road yesterday, so, uh, yep. yeah, no problems getting in. So, yes, it's a Linda Creek Road, I'm sure, and I think it's 325, uh, but if you do check them out, Melways reference. I'm sure you can check a Melways reference on your phone or on your on your iPad or on your computer as well. I'm sure you must be able to go in and check a Melways reference, surely. Um, so or just give to... them a ring and yeah. they'll yeah. talk you in. They'll talk <laughs> They're you lovely in. ladies. Yeah, in fact, I did have um, Jane's um, mobile number on me just in case I needed <laughs> talking in, I have to say. But uh, it was. It was great fun and it was lovely to see such interesting plants being sold. So Yes. There you go. So that's the Tonkins. And, of course... Upcoming, and this is something for the diary because it's a little bit off yet, but that's our Garden Lovers Fair up at Mount Macedon, which is the 7th and 8th of October uh, at the Garden of Bolabek, uh, which is 370 Mount Macedon Road, Mount Macedon. Uh, it's $10 for the fair, which includes going to the fair and the uh, entry fee for the garden. So it's you very get, good value. I think isn't it's great it? value because it's a lovely garden mm. and very extensive. You can really oh, you can spend, spend a, mm. a day there very happily yeah. with the fair in the garden. And the car park actually opens at nine thirty. Uh, the fair itself starts at ten on both days. Um, and uh, you can go into the website, which is all the w's dot dot com dot au, and they we've this website's just been set up for this year for the first time, and it's it's quite an active website and there's lots of interesting things going up on it as the weeks go past. We're putting up profiles of the different nurseries as we get them. Um, there'll be a speaker's list uh, of people who will be speaking at different times during the weekend. Um, and uh, I believe, I don't know whether it's actually active yet, I believe you can, you will be able to book tickets online. Uh, that's something that they're trying to do. So um, you might like to go in and see if you can do that. Um, and it's such a comfortable show to attend because there's heaps of parking yeah. Not too far away, yeah. there's trees, there's plenty of space and the lovely garden. Yeah. And then you've got other things to see and do around yeah. the Mount Macedon area if well, you've got any time left, which is unlikely. Time. It's <laughs> unlikely. But having said that, what we're instigating this year, and I'm sure that's up and running now, is that if you want to come up for the weekend... You can buy a $15 ticket, which gives you re-entry to the fair the second day. Oh, oh, good idea. So I think it's a great idea, and 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 I hope people will take advantage of it because that'll help the B&Bs and the, and the yes. little motels and things around the area if people want to come up for the whole weekend. Sure. Um, because there is an awful lot of things to do and see uh, there. And, you know, with the speaker's tent going and, and, and around about 30-odd stall holders of all sorts of different products and stuff, uh, and the garden itself, you could easily spend a day and a half to two days meandering oh, around absolutely. and doing it. And because it's a fairly early show in our season, all we specialist growers, 
we're bursting at the seams. Yeah, We've got all our great stuff that we can't wait to get out there. Mm. And I always go home on the Saturday night and get another load. Yeah. So it's well worth coming in on the, the Sunday morning because there'll be different treasures. Yeah, yeah. So, so there you go. So I'm not quite sure whether it's how you would get your two-day ticket, but We've decided it's going ahead, and as far as I know, that it'll be sorted out. And uh, you can either buy your two-day ticket, I guess, when you arrive on Saturday morning, because uh, they'll be available at the gate. Uh, but if you can buy online, I'm assuming that we'll get the tickets up and running online in the same way, so you'd be able to buy a two-day ticket online if oh, you wanted to. Oh, it's a great to. idea. So, uh, yeah, so we're sort of ramping it up a bit this year, so uh, it's got a lot more PR out there. Um, and... Uh, I just think it's going to be a great event. So that's the... It always is and getting better. Well, that's the plan. And so that's the 7th and 8th of October. So put it into your diary. It's a little later this year than normal because uh, we were normally sort of back in September. So it's a wee bit later. So you'll need to re- remind yourself and not come up on the weekend that you'd normally, normally assume come. it would have been. <laughs> um, and uh, I guess the only other thing I need to mention that's on the brochure is, in fact, please don't bring any dogs. Uh, so no dogs allowed. So. And can you give out the address of Bollebeck again? Uh, yes, the address of Bollebeck is 370 Mount Macedon Road. Uh, so it's the main road that comes off the Calder Freeway um, uh, and it will be quite well signposted once you get there. Um, and we have the SES out there draft, uh, directing traffic and what have you as you come in. Uh, uh, and, yeah, great weekend to be had by all. Brilliant. And the morning after, I head off to Madagascar. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, it's going to be a frenetic weekend that weekend. Oh, uh, you can sleep on the plane, Steve. Well, I suppose I can. Except yeah. you and I don't sleep very well on no, planes. No, I don't sleep well on planes. <laughs> I spend most of the time watching movies. Yes. Uh, and eating and drinking everything that comes, comes my way. <laughs> it goes by. <laughs> Even if it's not particularly good, it's there <laughs> and it keeps you entertained <laughs> for a while. That's right. um, so, um, yeah, so I'll be off to Madagascar on the next morning. So... Oh, well, doesn't all matter. Good. Yeah, yep, it'll be all fine. All good. Okay, it's more than time we invited our listeners to join us. We'd love to hear from you this morning if you have a gardening question or if you'd like to make a comment about uh, whatever is happening in your garden, about the wild and woolly weather we've been experiencing, whatever, we'd love to hear from you. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. Zero one double five in the studio this morning. We do have Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants and Meryl Johnson from Country Farm Perennials. So, do give us a call nine four one nine zero one double five. Meryl, you must have one of the best jobs in the whole world. I, I mean, have. I look up <laughs> online and see the number of of tours you're taking to the most. Fabulous places in the world, looking at fabulous gardens. Not only that, you're dining on gourmet food. Yes. Um, <laughs> you're meeting, you're meeting um, like-minded people that accompany you really, on the tours. And really interesting people we meet in their own homes too, which it's a whole different experience than being a tourist. Yes. Because you're a guest in someone's own home. Mm. They're feeding you, you know, well. Quite often it's their cook, their chef that's feeding you. But anyway, you're, you're dining in their home with them and really meeting some extremely interesting people who've done fascinating things in their lives. Mm. And, and it just, there's one good thing about being an Australian gardener. We've got novelty value. So <laughs> <laughs> they I, love to talk to us. And, I do think, though, Australians 
generally are very highly regarded overseas. Oh, we are. We really, yeah. really are. We we are very good visitors rather than yes. you know terrible tourists. We, I always find anyway, we're made welcome into some astonishing places, and we must behave ourselves because we keep getting invited back. So, well, well honestly, yeah, I think we're gardeners. We really are. Yes, and exactly. gardeners are, are just beautiful people. They the world are over. all they're over. They're caring. The world. They're nourishing. I mean, That's it goes right. with the territory. That's right, and 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 we love sharing and excitement. You know, yep. and it really, I. I Wonder sometimes what people must think. You know, there's a herd of us going around the garden uh, with with you know a Romanian host and a bunch of Australian gardeners, and we're all going ooh, ah, ooh, ah, over the things <laughs> in the garden. It's, it's just a wonderful experience. <clears throat> but I'm off to Iceland later on. I know. Uh, I next can't year. believe this. And it's a wonderful place for gardeners. Don't expect too many formal gardens. And you do need to be polite in Iceland. Every time you see a tree, you have to get really excited for them. They, they are terribly excited about their trees, even if they are only two feet tall. But what is astonishing is the diversity of flowers. And they're all minute. They're all ground-hugging, of course, in a climate like that. But, boy, are they beautiful. And fascinating. Mm. Alpine They're, plants at, at, at sea level, basically, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, mm. it's a beautiful and a spectacular geography. It's sort of like all your geography lessons come to life as you stand <laughs> with uh, one foot on one um, continental plate and the other foot on another continental plate. You just hope the continents don't split don't apart start. while <laughs> you're standing there. But <laughs> it's just a wonderful, spectacular right. area. So how many hours of daylight are you going to get? Oh, millions <laughs> because we're there <laughs> in the middle of summer. Yes. yes. I have taken the precaution of booking all hotels with blackout curtains so that we oh, can get some move. sleep. Yep. <laughs> and you're accompanying this to also to Isle of Man. Yes, which is a very beautiful area that not many people go to. It's it's lovely countryside and it is a fairly isolated island. It's really a holiday all about Island gardeners, people who garden on the edge, literally. Yes. And the Isle of Man is scenically very beautiful, has its own culture and history. So it's it's not English, it's not Scottish, it's not Irish. It's Manx. It's the Isle of Man. They've got their own culture, um, very independent-minded people, and they garden in a different way again. So very, very pretty, mm. interesting place. Mm. So when does this tour come up, Meryl? Uh, it comes up in June next year. Okay. So bookings are open? Yes, yes bookings are open for 2018 So now. people can contact you to get the itinerary? That would be great. Okay. How do they do that? They Well, probably the easiest way is just to go onto the website and that's got all the contact details. So you can either phone, you can fax, you can email. Um, but the website is www.countryfarmperennials, all one word, dot com. .au. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, we must go to our first caller. We have Sue who's down in Mornington. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning to everybody. I'm hoping someone can, uh, well, I'm sure you can all help me actually. I've recently moved to Mornington and I've lived with what I've got here for a year, looking and seeing what's Wise move. in the garden. Yes. And 
A blank canvas. Unfortunately, you've just wasted 12 months then, Sue. I have. But you got the feel of the weather and, you know, where the light falls. So, no, I think it's a good idea. Bulbs coming up that you're going to dig into and destroy. So, there's probably about six bulbs. That's it. Okay. Anyway, I've got lots of um, mulch, like wood chip mulch, and I suspect there's black plastic underneath Uh some of it. And there were some roses, but honestly, they're just not my sort of roses and they don't, they're not prolific and all of that. So anyway, I need to find, how can I find someone who can interpret what I would like? Because I really want to have something I can pick. I like pretty, but I, you know, and I'm sure I can do something, but I, I want an overall plan and then I can just chip away at it bit by bit by bit. But hearing you talk about all the beautiful bulbs and I used to buy things from Tonkins. Oh, I think I'm in the wrong property. Uh, Mornington Peninsula may or may not work out well with some of the things that Shirley and Jane yes. grow. But, uh, I know, I know. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't things. grow some and you mm, can you yes. can grow other things. Um, exactly. Look, if you need somebody to design your garden... I do. Um, I do. ..then I would definitely... The problem is you've got to find somebody that is simpatico to your exactly. way of thinking. Yes. The, it's just like getting an interior designer. There is no point in getting the most expensive interior no. designer if he no. des- or he or she designs something that isn't how you'd want to live. Yeah, and I don't want something, um, you know, sort mm. of. I don't know. You know, you don't have to do anything. You just look at it, and nothing grows, and it's bits of grass. I don't yeah. want that no. look. No, you uh, want something interesting. I, I and think pretty. what I would do is I'd ring around a little bit amongst landscape designers more so than la- people who advertise themselves as landscape gardeners are often people with a ute and a, and a, and a barrow, yes. uh, and, and and don't know and, much about plants. Yeah, so I would look for la- landscape designers, mm. uh, and I would ring some of them up, and I would have a talk to them over the phone, okay. explain what you're looking for, and if you find one that seems to be on the right wavelength Mm. book a a consultation i mean it'll cost you a little bit of money probably to get somebody out to have a look around oh look i know that but it's going to save me in the long run of course it will if you get a good designer who designs Mm. a really attractive and 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 appropriate garden for your needs Mm. um then you can move on from there so uh i would talk to some people over the phone obviously it's probably better if you can get somebody some somewhat locally yeah Um, they they understand the soil the climate and they also don't have to travel such vast distances as well um so so I think just look through the local phone book, see if you can find somebody. If all else fails, I get in touch with the Landscape Architects Association mm-hmm. uh, and see if they know anybody down around your area that could okay. be suitable. Uh, because the, the money you spend on a good plan will yes. always pay Save off. Save you masses of money. Yeah. You know, avoiding disasters. But there's some gorgeous gardens down the Mornington Peninsula of the nature that I think you're talking about. You know, pretty with flowers and yeah. interest all year round yeah. and smells good, lovely colour schemes. <laughs> Actually, I've been to your place, but I mean, you know, I need someone who likes that kind of thing and it, it's not yes. for them. Well, I would have a little pop around any of the open gardens down the Mornington Peninsula right. and there are masses open. Open. Um, what's the new organisation? Oh, just, uh, open Gardens, open open Gardens Victoria. They, that's they, right. They don't restart until September. No, but but anyway, um, when there's open gardens down the peninsula, maybe pop around. Yes. When you see something that you really like, just you know, introduce yes. yourself and yeah. and say now who designed that. It yes. might be them themselves, but at yes. least they'll they'll know other people that are. Of a similar mm. mind. Oh, thanks. And the that. other thing is that if you get um, 
a list of names of possible uh, designers. See if they've got a website as well because usually they will have um, oh, photos of the, photos jobs of the different jobs yes. they've done. Yes, so you can get a, a, a sense of, of, of yes. what sort of gardens they design. Yeah, yes. yeah so if yes. you want the white oh, gravel and the box bushes, you'll find somebody who can do that or you know, somebody who will do other styles of gardens. Exactly. So, mm. Oh, thank you. And Michael McCoy is a good contact too. He he loves those sorts of gardens. Mm. So you Who's could that? Michael McCoy. Oh, okay. He does live at Wood End, though. I yes, mean, he, he does. does live but, a long, long but way he away. may have reference to mm. yes. uh, someone down your way. And having a small garden is not a disadvantage to having a really interesting, beautiful garden. Small can be great. Oh yes, it just means you can work it like a jewel box and have wonderful things. So much of yes. interest. But I haven't got time to do something and then find it's not right. And no, 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 no. I you mean, need your basic structure anyway, Sue. So I that's think so. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you. You've all been most helpful. Okay, good on you. Yeah, good bye. luck with that. Bye. That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot. So if you'd like to join us, 94190155. That's 94190155. Stephen, you've brought in a few plants, yeah, sort of. things, yes. <laughs> I picked them last night, so I'll fess up straight away that they're a little bit wilted looking, but you can't see that on radio. <laughs> um, uh, but I can still explain the plants equally as well, uh, whether they're in good condition or otherwise. Uh, and there are just a few small interesting things that are, are doing their stuff in my garden at home. I mean, it was pretty bleak when I got home last night. It was raining yep. and it was blowing. I'm and, surprised you picked anything. Well, I, I ummed and art about it. I nearly went up to the nursery to get some things from there and I thought oh, I was going to be so awful up there. Um, I thought, I'll see what I can find around the garden quickly. And so I picked a few things, threw them in in the van without putting them in any water uh, and hoped that they were going to be at least recognisable this morning. And they sort of are. They are. Um, and they're, as we were talking about before, little jewelly pretty things that the winter throws at you. And something that I adore at this time of the year are the winter irises. Um, they used to be called Iris stylosa, which was much easier to say, uh, but they're now called Iris unguicularis, which is a hell of a mouthful. And they're mainly in shades of blues and purples, although you can get a pure white form, which I find a little weak growing. And there's one called Starker's Pink, which is the most disgusting That's shade t- of pink I've ever seen in my <laughs> oh, life. I, I was just stand- about to say how much I loved my Starker's Pink. Yeah. I know it's a bit of a funny name. No, it's funny, not it? naked. Yeah. It's well, named after me. Not flesh-coloured either. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not flesh-coloured. I don't like that shade of pink for some reason. It's or a very unusual pink, I'll grant you yeah, that. Yeah, but so anyhow, so I had it for a while and somehow or another managed to kill it and I haven't missed it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really upset. I'm, <laughs> I'm insulted. Yeah, well, good, because that's part of the fun of gardening is that we don't all like the same, same things. Thing. <laughs> but one I do like, which I am told is virused, so uh, supposedly you should keep it away from your other iris, uh, but it's a very pretty virus, isn't uh, it? Is the one that's being sold as Verigata. I'm not sure whether the name has any real sort of standing or not, but it's it's an appropriate name in a sense because it's a it's a deep blue with really dark purpley flecks and things through the petals, which gives it this streaky effect, and it's really pretty. It um, is pretty. I, I really love it. I think it's a gorgeous Unguicularis. It's and, like one of the fire tulips, isn't it? Yes, that the, same effect. That yes. sort of streaked effect. Yeah. Uh, and the other one I bought along, which has seriously wilted in the car, is... It's actually my favourite Unguicularis, which is the the Cretian one, um, subspecies or variety Creticus. Uh, it's a really dark purpley blue, a uh, royal purple, and isn't it's it? small. 
Uh, it's probably the smallest of the unguicularises. Yes. And the reason I like it more than almost any of the others is that the foliage is also small and stays fairly flat to the ground and the flowers actually come up and sit above it, which is a problem you have with the other unguicularises. They all hide in amongst, they hide they in amongst in the leaves. foliage. Yeah, and a lot of people say cut the leaves down to show off the flowers, but then the plant looks scruffy. Yes. yes. So I don't yes. like that look. So and I, you've got to get your timing right to perform that trick too. Yeah, well, that's right. Otherwise, you take the flower buds off yes, with the exactly. foliage. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I just don't like the look of the plant if yep. you've shorn it down. It's like those municipal sort of lamandra plantings on traffic islands that for some reason or another they see the need to trim down into porcupine-like balls every year or two. <laughs> uh, and it just looks awful. Oh, and so you, unnatural. Yeah, and you've got those leaves that have been cut in half that are going to in time die, so they're sitting in amongst your good foliage. And it, oh, it's, just a, it's just a bad look. Looks, I can't yep, bear it. rag bag. Yeah, so Iris unguicularis, it will grow in the driest possible spot you can and you find can in neglect it forever. My, yep. oh, gosh, my yes. darkest pink yep. that offends Stephen so much <laughs> has, I reckon it's been there for 20 years. It's never been dug and divided, never been fed. And Good. It just, <laughs> it's thriving, yeah, Stephen. Yeah, I know it would be. <laughs> uh, but I have to say I do like the blue. I always go for blue if I can. I mean, if there's a blue version of something, I'm not quite sure why you want a pink or a white one because uh, pink and white so easy to get in other plants. Yes. Uh, so I love blue-shaded flowers because they are rarer. And a a lot of the winter flowers are blue. They're really rich, deep blues, which has got something to do with the way their pollinating insects see colour. But they probably think there's a bit of blue sky out there somewhere, and they say, "Head towards <laughs> oh, good. it." Oh, good! They live in hope. Yes, yes, there are all these poor, little poor deluded little creatures. Yeah. So, but uh, I think it's also they show up well. Should yeah. there be snow, it shows up well yeah. against of the course. snow. Yes, yeah. but yes. Yeah, so Iris unguicularis, they're not actually all that terribly available commercially because they don't like to be disturbed that much. So when you divide them, they take a while to settle down again, and you, and they make a scruffy looking thing in a pot. So unless you're aware of what you're buying, uh, it's not one of those things that's going to leap off the benches on its own unless it's unless in flower. Unless it's in full flower. Yeah. And so it's sort of not a great commercial plant, but it's a fabulous thing. Garden I mean, plant. It's I've a beauty. Got a, there's a garden up my way I drive past every day when I'm going to work and they've got, unfortunately, a rather large variegated potosporum hedge along the front boundary. But under the hedge along the edge of the, the footpath... There's the classic blue form of Iris unguicularis mm-hmm. in big clumps. It's been there for donkey's years. Mm. And it's all in full bloom at the moment. And you've got the sort of silvery variegation of the, the Potosporum hedge and it this sort of looks sea quite of blue. elegant. It does. It looks really quite good, apart from the fact it's a Potosporum. Um, <laughs> but the Iris is looking stunning at the moment. Mm. And it's sort of all the leaves are hanging out fractionally over the, the bitumen footpath, which probably the council will make them trim it back at some stage because it could be a traffic hazard. Oh, yes. Um, and, but it's looking really, really pretty at the moment. And they flower for weeks and weeks on end. They make a good cut flower. Um, most varieties tend to have quite a nice perfume when you bring them indoors. It's not one of those scents I pick up much in the garden, I have to say. But a, cl- a vase of them in the house, you can smell the perfume from them. Uh, and they're virtually indestructible. Yes. I think of them as an old-fashioned plant. They are because very they're the sort of thing that everyone's grandmother had them exactly. in their garden. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. they are destruct proof. Yeah. Yes, yes, totally. So how did I kill Starker's pink? I don't know. Anyhow, <laughs> um, you poisoned it. I yeah, know. I, no, I don't think I did. But uh, I wasn't upset when it disappeared. I think I actually planted it in too much shade, actually, and I think that might be what finished it off in the end. But yeah, the, I think it was in the ground three years before it flowered. It was sort of building up a bit of strength, and when it flowered, I went, "Well, that was three years wasted." But anyhow, <laughs> um, moving right along. Well, before before you do. Oh. Um, 
Can we repeat the name, please, of the plant that, the, Meryl, the, you've just yes, been planting yes. out again? It's Sarcococca and lovely, controllable shape, size, dark emerald green, shiny leaves with winter, fine slender trumpets, pure snow white, gorgeous scent. Mm. Now, this is the one that will grow in, in full dry yeah, shade. Nasty dry shade, box. yes. Yep, yep, yep. So S-A-R. C O double C O C A, I think. I might not have got enough OCs in there. I'm not sure, but anyhow, if you start off with the S A R C and move a little further forward, I think your your computer will pull it up for you eventually. And Sarcococca confusa was the one I was planting out. Confusa has a particularly good scent. It does. Yeah, I like Ruscifolia for its red berries, and it's a little bit bigger growing, and it's got a lovely lax habit, but. They're all pretty little shrubs, and I mean, they don't, none of them take up a huge amount of room. No. You could actually hold the national collection of them without too much trouble in an ordinary garden because they're not big, bulky shrubs. Uh, and they're all pretty. Yes. You know, they're, they're really lovely. But yeah, Confuse is a nice compact one, and its perfume is probably the best of the group, I think. And to keep, you know, keeping it as a nice little shape means you're pruning it while it's flowering, which is now, mm. and bringing in bunches of. Gorgeous perfume flowers into the house. Mm. So what's mm. not to like? Yeah. Exactly. But just keep in mind the flowers are tiny. Yes. So don't expect something big and showy with sarcophagus. No, but there's plenty of them. It, yeah. it sort mm. of comes all along the yeah. branches. Yeah. So it's a good plant. Dusting Excellent. of snow. Yeah. Okay. Right. Back to your plant. Oh. Well, the other, thing is, yes, the other thing that's looking fabulous in the garden at the moment are my hellebores. And, of course, we've, done, we've mentioned uh, con- uh, country farm for Yeah, <laughs> we, We've mentioned post office farm nursery before. Um, uh, Peter Lee holds the national collection of hellebores out there for Plant Trust. Um, and I would say he's a world-ranking hellebore I can, grower. I can vouch for that because mm. I turned up a few years back to a hellebore breeder's garden. I was doing research, choosing Mm. gardens that we were going to visit for a a garden holiday. Turned up at a a German hellebore breeder's garden, knocked on the front door, introduced myself. He said, you're from Australia. You don't know Peter Lee, do you? (laughs) I was straight in there. (laughs) I could say yes. (laughs) And yes, Peter is one of those people who put so much time and effort into his hand pollinating and his yes. growing and his raising. And his quality of yeah, plants are yeah. gorgeous. And he's getting to the point where his strains are becoming very stable. Yes. So he can feel quite confident that if you want the anemone-scented, picketied variety or whatever, yes. that's exactly what you're going to get. I mean, you'll still see a little, little bit of variation. Yeah, because from seed, that's invariable. Yes. Yes. Um, but he can feel fairly confident that his different colour and double strains and things are pretty stable. He has a huge igloo over there that's completely insect-proof and he goes around and everything his is little brush, yes. Yeah. And it's just, it's an amazing the amount of effort that goes into them. And Peter's Nursery is open Sundays uh, through the winter months. Uh, I also have some of his stock at my nursery to pick you up on the other days of the week if you happen to be coming up when it's not actually a Sunday. Um, And they are just truly beautiful. So you can get double yellows, double blacks, um, uh, double picketees. I don't know whether it's still there. It might have sold yesterday, but there was a beautiful double white with just the finest 
pencil Pe- edge yes. of burgundy oh. around the petals, which was, you know, it nearly went home with me straight away. But uh, <laughs> it's, it was still sitting up there when I left the nursery on Friday night and I've been away all Saturday. So it may or may not still be there. If it's there, it's going home. Um, so and they we've are got beautiful. some of his reverse Picatees too, yeah. which are deep burgundy red singles with yeah. quite outward facing flowers. So you can really see them. And the finest little pale edge yeah. around each petal. They're absolutely yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. So, you know, but the- Peter doesn't neglect the, the true species either. He he doesn't just have the hybrids. Yeah. He does maintain the true species. And uh, I've got a lovely Halliborus fetidus doing a grand job in my garden at the moment. Again, a plant for truly tough places mm. underneath trees where not much else will grow. Halliborus fetidus westerflisk. Oh, that's a lovely form. It's a beautiful thing. It's sort of bunches of nodding lime green bells with a red edge mm. around all the petals and mm. very showy at this this lovely time of things. the year. Yeah, yes. So don't ignore your hellebores. Um, you will pay a reasonable price for a large flowering plant. But you've got to remember they take about three to four years to get them up there. Uh, in a And years of pot. breeding to get oh, them to yeah, that yeah. Oh, yes. and, place. And look, when I consider what hellebores were like when I was a child, most of them were sort of muddy, greeny, pinky things. Yes, uh, and with the droopy breeding, heads. And yeah, the, the breeding that's gone into these things and, and the exquisite detail of some of the flowers of some of the newer hellebore forms that are out there, I mean, it's gone leaps and bounds ahead in, in colours and forms in the last 20-odd years. In mm. fact, you have to be a little bit careful that you don't fill the whole garden with them. They're so gorgeous. Oh, they can be and then yeah. They're very addictive. <laughs> and then you haven't got room for all the other things at the other time yeah. of the year. So, so choose the best ones. Oh, yeah. And, and one point of warning I will give too is if you're planting different forms together, they're obviously going to cross-pollinate amongst themselves. If you allow them to set seed and drop seedlings, you need to be very, very um, specific about which ones you keep when they come to flower. Yes. Uh, and... If you've got a specific colour uh, combination you've created, you may even find it better not to let them go to seed because the seedlings often pop up in the middle of the ground. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, and they so, get away from you and suddenly a white one's gone purple. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you've got all these weird colours that will show up. And I've actually got a section in the garden at home where I've got picketed ones and there's doubles, anemone-scented ones, single ones, but they're all in the pink and white or burgundy and white picketee range. So I've planted them all to get that sort of same colour variation through yes. them. And I cut the flower heads off as soon as they finish uh, flowering before they go to seed because yes. I don't want anything else in there coming up no, in yes. odd colours. In that particular spot, I just want that. Yeah. Uh, and so to stop them doing that, I just uh, cut the flower heads off as soon as the the flowers lose their attractiveness and as the seed pods are starting to form mm. uh, so that I don't have an issue with seedlings popping up around the yep. parents because yep. they will do it. I mean, if you've got oh, a bit of prolific. good soil, um, yes. they, they can send up thousands of seedlings, uh, which can be great fun. But if you've mixed, you know, I've got one section where I've got double yellows and double blacks together. Can you imagine what might come as the progeny <laughs> of that? Oh. And so I quite like the combination of the blacks and yellows together. It's funny you should say that. I've got a section where I've got uh, the Halliborus fetidus with the golden leaves. Oh, yes, yes. Which is lovely. It's a beautiful foliage mm. colour. But then I've planted the the ordinary Halliborus hybridus, the, the single large flowered one, in the black tones. Yes. Amongst it, the golden foliage and the black flowers, 
boy, it's a sizzling combination yeah. Yeah. at it this time really of well the year. It can well if you can find the right plants to put together. Yes. I tried the black and white tulip thing once, but I didn't go to enough research to find out that the black tulip didn't flower quite with the white one. <laughs> ah. So I had clumps of white tulips with buds in amongst them and then the when the white ones, ones came, finished, the black ones came out. So, <laughs> you know, with things work. like tulips or those sort of things that have a comparatively short shelf life, you've really got to be very careful that you get the right varieties that are going to work together. But with the hellebores, it doesn't they, matter because no, they go they, on they go months. on. Well, that uh, helleborus pink frost, it's in bloom now and yep. we have our open days second half of no, uh, October, beginning of November, and the pink frost flowers have coloured up to deep burgundy and they're still there, yeah, which yeah. is it's an amazing yeah. so period they are, of show. They're a great group, the hellebores, and uh, uh, they're not good in, in dry, sandy soils. No. Uh, they tend to like something with a bit of clay sort of oomph to it. Yep, uh, and some leaf mould, that yeah, sort of yep, thing. Yep. Yeah, well, when you see them growing in the wild in, in Europe, I mean, they grow in forests where there's all this leaf litter dropping in amongst them the whole time. Mm. Uh, they get shade in the summer. They get light in the winter. Uh, and, you know, you've got to try and simulate those conditions as much as you can. But they, I love the hellebores and... I could easily end up with too many. Yeah, so, you, you could yeah. get carried away. Virtually quite every year when Peter brings stock over for me, because he's very good. He brings over, you know, when I first started buying them, I thought, oh, yes, I'll get the ones that aren't quite as good as the stuff he's going to sell at the nursery. You know, dreadful thing to say, but it's the sort of thing that you think, you know, uh, particularly seeing as he was making a mixed selection, I wasn't going over there and picking out the ones yeah, I wanted. Yeah. Um, and he's terribly fair. I mean, I've had people come in and say, you've got a better one there than Peter's. Um, so he always gives me a good range. He's proud of what he's done. He is. And, I mean, he would never send out any rubbish anyway. I no. Mean, he's, he's just too much of a, a, a devotee of the group to send out rubbish. Um, so he brings me over a great selection. And nearly every year, at least one or two of them go home as soon as they <laughs> hit the ground in the nursery uh, for somewhere in the garden. Yes. Uh, um, and so I'm slowly sort of adding different sort of colour combinations. And funnily enough, the only one I've planted in the garden at home that I'm now struggling with as a colour is the one that he sells, and I can't remember what he calls it, but it's sort of a, a yellow with sort of plum-coloured variegation in the in the flowers. You know, yes. it's not quite a picotee because yeah, it tends yeah. to go back into the flower. And it's almost a, such a strange colour combination. I'm not quite sure whether I like it or not. But um, He's gone into the peachy tones yeah. because that's such a, a fashionable yeah. colour range at the moment. And I'm not sure about those ones mm. either. I'm and, a bit and, of a traditionalist. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say if they created a blue one, I think I'd be a little bit it, well, it's like a blue rose. Yeah, it's an we don't anomaly. really need we don't, one. No, 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 we no. don't need one. Um, what was I reading about the other day, though? They've created a blue something that's not meant to be blue. I was reading, I think it was the Plantsman, uh, the magazine from England that I get. Um, they were talking about some new plant they'd created a blue version of that shouldn't be blue. Uh, I'll have to go back to that magazine and see which plant it was. But it was something sort of unexpected. Uh, and I looked at the picture of the flower and I thought, yeah, I don't like it. Well, it'd be like having a blue snowdrop, wouldn't it? it couldn't be a snowdrop anymore. Oh, but I could get a huge price for it over in England. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they pay five hundred pounds for know, some of these new minute little things yeah. with a, a yellow dot that you need a microscope yeah. to see, yeah. and they're all getting terribly excited. Yeah, and, and there's there's it's very cold in England in the stuff. winter. You yeah. know, they've yeah, got, they've got, got to have something yeah. to amuse it's themselves. Very sad, really. But there you go. <laughs> Tragic. Okay, well, we've been talking about uh, changes of colour in uh, the garden. We'll go to uh, Mim, who's in Carnegie. Good morning, Mim. Good morning, all. Um, I, ages ago, bought 
spent a small fortune on buying tall bearded irises mm. from the specialist Tempo 2. Yes. Um, uh, I would have about 50 or 60, or did. And over time, possibly, because I think, because my soil is so disgusting, or they get buried eventually, um, they've all turned to the standard purple. I have never planted that standard purple. So what on earth is happening? Tempo 2 denies it can happen. Well, I'm on their side a bit. I don't see how no. one variety can turn into another. The only no. time you get colour changes in a plant is you'll occasionally get a sport. Uh, camellias do it regularly, where yes. you'll start with a white camellia and then a branch will suddenly turn pink. Uh, and if you propagate from the pink branch, you often have a stable form mm. uh, that's different to the original parent. So sporting is one of the few ways those things can happen. The only thing I can think is, because these highly bred irises are not as strong as the wild forms, you may have had some seedlings come up. Well, I've never planted them. No, but I mean no, no, from just... your originals... You may have had seedlings come up that have reverted back to they the wild show, They didn't show themselves for a few years. Yeah, well, that, that would even make they it more likely. They would need that time They'd to need establish. that time as seedlings to establish to get <laughs> yep. up to flowering size. Oh. Uh, and your, the ones you bought from Tempo 2 being highly bred um, uh, prima donnas have struggled with your soil and being buried and all those other things. But their, their children could well have been much stronger and tougher and it could be seedlings that have come up and replaced the parent plants. I think that's... But they sell just a single corm. How could I get a baby? Once the From iris... Seed. Once the iris has flowered, hmm. it forms a seed pod. A the seed? Yes. yes. The seeds drop and germinate and I take a few years. propagated by their corm. No, no. It, virtually any flowering plant produces seed uh, and it depends uh, wholly and solely on whether the seed is cross-pollinated and fertile. But if it's fertile seed, it can drop to the ground and uh. it can start another, another um, generation. And that's what we were just talking about with the hellebores. If I let my big, handsome hellebores all breed into each other, uh. they will often degenerate back to wilder forms uh, and I could end up with a garden full of pink, muddy pink muddy pink and green ones mm. uh, starting off originally with really good ones mm. because I've allowed the genes to get muddled and back to the wild forms again and so it's the only way I can see Mim that it could have happened is yes, that they were seedlings sense. Yeah, oh, and, and if it took quite a long time for it to happen that actually sort of tends to prove that that's a, a, a good scenario about what's happened is that you've ended up with seedling ones coming up that are reverted back ah, okay if I take those out yeah it would give more space. Hang on. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, give more space. Would that encourage the old ones to start? No. Your Only old ones have probably disappeared by now. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Dead. Yeah, yes. gone. Choked uh, out by yeah. the stronger yeah. seed so ones. So what you'd need to do is take out all of these ones if you don't like them, give them to a friend who will probably enjoy the old-fashioned purpley-blue ones, uh, and go and spend some more money with Tempo 2 and start again. No, but, thank you. But I was going to say, what I would do, if you've had this experience, if you're going to go back and do it again, as soon as your iris has finished flowering, take the flower heads out so they can't So no more seed. seedlings. Yeah, so then you won't get seedlings. So you've got less chance of the parent plants being, being swamped by their, their babies. Oh. But having said all of that, if your soil is as bad as it is, your good plants are likely to slowly degenerate anyway. Oh, goody. Mm. Um, so maybe you move on to another group of plants. <laughs> oh, gosh. What a shame. I love them and I love their smell. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. 
Thank you. Okay, yeah. then. It's not good news. <laughs> Sorry. No. No. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. But yes, you often hear people say, oh, their white, or oh, their coloured gladiolos all end up white or their whatever. And it's yes. normally due to seedlings. Uh, yes, yeah, swamping the parents. Yeah, swamping yes. the parents. The parents tend to be not quite as strong. And I, I would say that that's the same with these lovely big bred hellebores too. I don't know that they're quite as strong as the wild forks. No, and they do set seed prolifically. Yeah. They can so, be choked out yeah, very easily. Yeah, so I'm quite convinced that they will slowly get swamped out by their seedlings yeah. if you allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, and if you spend enough, you we've don't had want to a, lose them. We've had a message. A caller's rung in to say that uh, she's been told Tempo 2 is planning to close at the end of this season because they can't get anyone to take it over. Yeah, that's sad. So there's another, another one specialist gone. going. Yes, exactly. You know? and, yeah. and it is really sad when the specialist nurseries like that that have a very specific range of plants disappear because nobody is going to take over that many varieties of something into a more general nursery. You well, just can't. Well, again, the Blythes were... World class yeah. iris breeders. Again, you could hold your head up very high as an Australian gardener and get into all sorts of places if you knew Barry and Leslie Blythe. Because, yeah. well, I live in a tiny little country village called Nayuk. Probably 30 people live yeah. in Nayuk. And I went into the international display iris garden just near Florence. And what do I see? Proudly signed. Iris Nayuk, which had been named by <laughs> Barry and Leslie Blythe from Australia, one of their own breed. They are international. Was it a good iris? Yes, it was absolutely stunning. Did you manage to buy some? I think. Well, no, should. it was in Italy. I couldn't bring it back oh. to Australia. Well, they must have it here, though. They, they must have yeah. it. Yeah. Well, there's but, closing. So if you yes. want Nayuk, I'd make sure you get, get it, it now. This year. Yeah. Actually, Rob, who works in our nursery, one of our propagators in our nursery, he's taken over Tempo 2's Hosta collection. Ah. He's got the whole collection to look after it. So hopefully someone will take oh. over the Look, Irish it's really important. Collection. I mean, that's why I'm president of Plant Trust because it's, that organisation tries to register collections and help collections move on to other people if somebody can't look after them anymore. Um, we're going to lose so much incredible plant material if we don't protect them, as particularly our local breeders like the Blyes, like Peter Lee, these people who are doing really incredible breeding work with specific groups of plants. Yes. Um, they're being bred here, so they're our own cultivars. And if, we, if they're and not sold to offshore... to our climate. Yeah, and, and if they're not sold offshore, if we lose them, we lose them forever. That's right. You know, I mean, Nayuk, we could perhaps re-import from, yes, I think from Florence. Um, <laughs> but... Um, You've got this issue that, you know, all these plants could well disappear. Now, if Tempo 2 is closing and nobody's prepared to take over their, their iris or their daylily yes. sort of collection, that would be just awful That's because right. that, so much of this material is going to disappear. So uh, they need we need people to step up and say, all right, well, I've got the space. I, even if they're not commercial growers, but if they're collectors of something, take over a collection mm. like that, mm. keep looking after it, share it with people um, and keep that breeding stock in, in the country. If we've got any hostafanciers out there, please do give Country Farm Perennials either a phone call or an email because Rob, as I say, yeah. who's our, one of our chief propagators, he has a mail-order catalogue called 50 Shades of Hostas. <laughs> which oh, is, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is the Tempo 2 Hosta yeah. collection. Yeah, well, that's good. Going on into the future. Mm. Actually, I need to talk to Rob at some stage. Maybe he'd like to register his collection. He might well. You know, I think well. that's something he should consider because we haven't got uh, a collection of hostas uh, registered under Plant Trust. Um 
I would like to have a chat to him about that as a possibility and see whether he'd be prepared to do He'll it. He'll be up at the Mount Macedon he will. I'm, Garden Lovers Fair. While I'm running around like a mad thing, I'll go yes. and see Rob and I'll have a talk to him about it and see what he says. Um, but no, I think you know those sort of things are really important. I'm glad he's taken over the hostas, but I really worry if somebody doesn't step Take up for the daylilies and, and the, the irises. Iris. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, and I mean you could split. I mean particularly a group like irises, you know, somebody might take over the Louisiana-style irises or the, yes. you know, the Pacific Coast irises yeah. or whatever mm. and just collect those. You don't need to necessarily take Have on the whole, the whole group. Farm. Um, mm. And we're happy to look at registering collections that are at, as specific as that and even more so in some cases. I mean, we've got, you know, Australian bread roses. We've got, you know, all sorts of different things that are being registered with us that are specific groups within a vast group that nobody in their right mind would try and collect, you know. <laughs> Um, So that's the way it sort of works. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We're running through until 9.15. So if you'd like to jump on board, jump on the phone, give us a call. That number is 94190155. That's 94190155. We're talking to Stephen Ryan from Dixoni Rare Plants and Meryl Johnson from Country Farm Perennials this morning. So we'd love to hear from you, 9419. Zero one double five. Have you got any more plants oh, left this Of course. Day? We've of got course. masses. We've got <laughs> masses. Uh, I might talk about winter aconite, um, aranthus. Uh, it's not a bulb. It's a little sort of tiny woody rhizome mm. under the ground, which are really hard to find uh, once they're put into the ground. In fact, for years I've been growing this damn thing and trying to grow it for sale, and I go, I have it in pots. Go hunting for and it. And you go hunting for the little rhizomes under the ground, and they're like bits of wood chip. Oh. And <laughs> so you're not quite sure what you're looking for, really, and the tiny ones tend to sneak through and you miss them. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, you know, you can teach an old dog new trips. One year I was doing them rather late, and they'd actually started to shoot and I could find them. So now I don't do anything with them until I know just, that they're going to... There's a little nose Yeah, there. there's a little white nose that'll come up out of the, out the rhizome. <laughs> you know it's not a piece of wood chip then. Um, these little fellows have the cheeriest little yellow buttercup mm. uh, on a stem that's only two or three inches high, and the buttercup is surrounded by a, an Elizabethan ruff... It's so pretty. ...of green leaves, um, and it's there's just something really quirky and cute... I think there are, it's a plant that the term cute can be used quite well for. Um, and the flowers open up on a sunny day in the winter and they are just a glowing yellow and it just sits as a little sort of colony at ground level. Uh, it will self-seed itself. Mm-hmm. The rhizomes will also multiply a bit. Uh, it's not rampageous. I don't find it no, takes off No, not invasive, no. no. Uh, but, you know, over years you could end up with quite a nice colony and I'm finding in the garden at home that odd ones are popping up in completely unexpected spots where I'm quite sure I didn't plant them. Um, and, you know, you have one, just pops up somewhere. <laughs> uh, and then over a period of time it starts building up a new yep. colony. Yep. Um, and um, I found one this year that's come up miles away from any of the others and I've no idea how it ended Mate, up there. Well, it, it might be like our little snowdrops, a proper English snowdrops, the little galanthus, they set little pips and you don't realise there's some little pips in that bit of potting mix that you pop into the garden somewhere. So we've got little snowies popping up everywhere and it might be... Might be that. I don't know. I don't know how it's managed it. But anyhow, I don't object. No, Uh, no, no. no, I've even got one that's come up through a really quite dense carpet uh, of um, lamb's ears, of stackies, Um, 
of that, that's a challenge. Yeah, that is a challenge. But <laughs> Good old Aranthus. The Aranthus has come up through the middle. It's the one called Cotton Bowl. Uh, yes. The the stackies is a nice big clump of it, about a meter or so wide, and up through the middle of it has come one of these. It'll look very fetching. Yeah, and it did, and and it will look better if it even manages to colonise in there. So <laughs> I, I I wait with bated breath. Um, they're not again. They're a plant that's not easily obtainable. They're a fiddle to grow commercially. They take quite a while to get a decent sized plant from seed to I sell. Bet Shirley and Jane Tonkin would. And that was what I was going to say. Tonkins would probably have. Yes. In fact, I'm sure I saw some Aranthus up there when I was up there yesterday. Uh, uh, I haven't got any potted for this year because uh, I keep forgetting to collect the seed and, and raise them because you no point in digging around the garden bed looking for them. <laughs> uh, and um, But I'm sure the Tonkins will have some Aranthus for sale and they'll be in bloom now. Uh, and it is the cutest Mm. Fabulous little, little plant. I just love it. So bright yellow with a green ruff around the flowers and they just sit a couple of inches up above the ground. Gorgeous. Cute. Okay, let's go to Gloria in Boleyn. Good morning, Gloria. Oh, good morning. Oh, another fabulous show, by the way. Good. Oh, and Stephen and Meryl, you're a good combination. <laughs> <laughs> Comes from being old friends. Yes. Well, you can interweave, I've noticed. You just interweave your conversation, which is really lovely. Now... Bamboozled was the thing that Billy said yesterday about bamboo. Oh, yes, on, <laughs> on, on 774, yes. yes. <laughs> well, a, a very dear friend of mine came over and very generously shifted my bamboos and tiger grass. And being a dear friend, I, I, you know, I was a bit reluctant to say, mm, maybe we should, maybe we should, uh, mm, mm, mm. and I didn't. And meaning I wanted to comment about how it was being put in. Yeah. And look, the tiger grass is looking very sad and mm. uh, turning yellow. Tiger grass is one of those plants. It's not a true bamboo. It's actually a grass. Yeah, I realise um, that. Yeah. But, uh, and, and as a proper grass, it's one of those plants I wouldn't have touched till about the end of August, early September, because oh, okay. most of the grasses are better divided as they're about to start coming up or shifted at that time of the year. But having said that, it's reasonably tough, uh, mm. and tiger grass will go off at this time of the year anyway a bit. Oh, okay. And so... Shifting it probably just makes it go off a little more. Right. Um, I would certainly cut it back. Big haircut. Cut yeah. it back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cut it, big, okay. Cut Big it haircut. Right back. Uh, right. And to what level? What height? Cause well, the stems I've got two die. Of them. One's quite tall, about yeah. three feet, maybe. Yeah, it doesn't four matter. Feet. You're, what you're cutting off is all the leafy stuff. What's important is the roots in, and rhizomes mm. in the okay. ground. Okay. So you can cut it off basically at ground level. Uh, mm. And in fact, if you don't, you'll end up with dead stubs in amongst the new growth when it comes up in the spring uh, anyway. Okay. Um, and I'd give it a good dose of sea salt or one of the seaweed emulsions. Yes, um, I like that. It's yeah, a bit early that. to have d- dug it and what have you, but it's all too late now. So the best thing you can do is cut it back and give it some sea salt. And actually, we're getting some warmer temperatures in this coming week, which if you do that, the big haircut, the uh, the seaweed, mm. seafood product uh, hormone stimulant, and warmer temperatures this coming week, it'll probably be, oh, I'm feeling much better and mm. start to shoot. <laughs> Sounds like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did you mean, hormone? Well, just the sort of seaweed type oh, the products. Seas. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. sea soling. Yes, um, yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. not a fertiliser, it's just a hormone stimulant. Yeah, now the bamboo, I really like what he's done with it because he's made it into a little grove, whereas I had them along the back fence. Yeah. Um, but they're sort of looking... They probably are okay. I'm just hoping, but they're getting a few yeah. yellow leaves. Yeah, that, look, they'll defoliate a bit because of the shell shock of being dug and moved. Right. And again, it would have been better to leave them till the weather was 
probably getting a little warmer, but bamboo's reasonably resilient. It'll take a little while to resettle again. Bamboo's, for its, for its toughness, mm. it's a bit of a miff, miffy thing when it gets shifted or divided. So it takes time to sort of settle down and rebuild strength to rebuild a big plant again. Um, so just be patient with it. And if there are any sort of uh, slightly scruffy stems or broken ones or uh, things that are sort of just looking really bad and getting on towards their, their final time anyway well you can okay, cut yeah. out the older stems okay and it's just the leave Alphonse them. car Stephen. oh yes Alphonse car is a beautiful bamboo yes, um, okay. I'd go through it and clean out sort of about a third of the stems okay and that will help as well because there's less biomass for it to keep alive from mm. the root system it's still got terrific that's so, very helpful yeah, so, and the best of luck with that. I, I mean, a grove of Alphonse car to walk through once that bamboo gets going again will be truly sp- spectacular because yes. it's one of those lovely bamboos that have the bright yellow canes yes. um, uh, and with green stripes in it, which makes it even more interesting. I uh, love the rustling of bamboo yeah. too. Oh, yes. Any slight breeze and it starts yeah. to move. It's such a tactile oh, yeah. plant. Yeah. Lovely I, I'm thing. a great great lover of the group. Uh, Clumping and, only, of course. <laughs> yes, but, you know, well, I even grow the runners in my garden and I'm prepared to manage them. Well, but, you've got the space for it. Well, I have got space, although eventually I've got the sense I'll be an old man sitting on the veranda in my wheelchair going, oh, the oh. bamboo's looking good. <laughs> yes. What do you mean? It'll be coming up between the floorboards. Yes, yes. it probably will by then. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much. Okay. Oh, it's a pleasure. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, dear. Yes, yeah, so bamboo is one of those plants that does put people into camps. I know. You can you can hear them screaming mm. even Across yeah. the airwaves. Yeah. It's like when I mention <laughs> ornamental oxalis. <laughs> no, I can't get away with that one either. Yeah, yeah. I always get into trouble as soon as I mention that genius, but there you go. I think the botanists need to find a name change for it and then we've solved the problem. problem. Well, That's actually, right. you're right. If they called them all Snuggadootsia, uh, people would still think of the weedy ones as oxalis. That's right. And that is the issue. Because we know the plant by its botanical name as a common name, I mean, I know you could call it sob if you really wanted to, but everybody knows it as oxalis. Yes. Whereas if it was only known by its common name, the ornamental ones would sneak past because people wouldn't know the term. And they'd say, oh, isn't it pretty? Yeah. Yes. And well, it is. <laughs> it is. Well, I had a lady years ago, I had a, a, a tube of Oxalis Masoniana, the gorgeous little bright orange one with the yellow centre, uh, in full bloom sitting on my bench and the label had disappeared for some reason or another. And this woman picked it up and she went into raptures. It was so gorgeous. She'd never seen anything as beautiful in her life, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you had a surprise Yeah, for well, her. she said, and what is it called? And I said, oh, that's Oxalis Masoniana. Well, if I'd offered her a vial of bubonic plague, she, <laughs> she couldn't, couldn't have put have it down faster. faster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I spent the next 25 minutes trying to explain to her that not all Oxalis were naughty, nasty, yes. Yeah. And she still didn't buy it, walked out, and I thought, I just spent 25 minutes losing a $6.50 sale. <laughs> I learnt a lot from that exercise. <laughs> okay, next up we're going to Mary out in Glenroy. Good morning, Mary. Yes, good morning. Um, my inquiry, please, is, is twofold. Mm-hmm. About, um, in the case of my daughter, who lives on a second floor balcony possums are jumping from a tree and eating all of the potted plants that we have been tending there and I have only given her something like turmeric to shake over the leaves but I'm wondering is that going to be effective I don't think turmeric will be effective. In fact, they'll just see that as being uh, a nicely spiced dish. Yes. Uh, 
Um, you might try some of the really hot chilies and things, the hot chili powders. Mm. Uh, you could try some of that, and that might discourage them once they get a mouthful of it. Mm. But uh, and if it's a fairly small area, she could always throw a net over it. No, at it might. That's not possible because okay. it's all up against the walls and mm. it's, yeah. Um, okay, a hot chili for the possum. Maybe. Um, right. Because um, they really are tuning things down off yeah. to the yeah. bone. I was going to yes. say, too, a friend of mine's got a possum scarer in his garden, which goes off when when yes. when something lands in there. It might wake your daughter up in the middle of the night when the possums land there. But mm. he had a magnolia just outside his front door that the possums were eating all the flower buds out of. Yes. And he put the possum scarer out in the garden. And his magnolia this year is going to be stunning. Mm. And there are – I don't know how effective they are because I've never – had occasion to use one, but there are little devices that emit um, high-pitched sound that we can't hear. I don't know whether they work or not. No, but. I don't either. But certainly the possum scarer, this thing makes a hell of a noise because if you walk past it when you're going to the front door, it goes off. <laughs> and it's done that to me a couple of times now, and I still haven't remembered it's there, so it always gives <laughs> me an hell of a fight. It works on Stephen. It works on me. And it certainly seems to be working on, on my friend's possums. Uh, but, yes, you do have the downside of it being noisy when it goes off. But you might need it only once or twice. And, and, and they'll go somewhere and else. And then they'll start to, to Well, there's also on. ones that, that just turn on like a, a sensor spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also ones that, that are, I don't know how they're plumbed in, but they squirt water. Oh, yes, the ones that uh, squirt and, water out when they're yeah. – but you'd need a t- Tap nearby, and if there's That's not a tap right. on the balcony, that could that be an issue. Could be okay, an issue. Yeah. and for myself, mm-hmm. um, a lot of potted bulbs, um, bluebells, and freesias. Mm-hmm. In one case, my best of all pot, the, um, my neighbour thinks it's possibly rats, have dug right down to the depths of the pot and eaten mm-hmm. into the bulbs, and, but also tune off the tops of my freesia. Leaves. Yeah, that's. It sounds like some sort of rat. I reckon mm, it's a rat, rat too. Uh, so it might be cheese on a rat trap. Uh, might be the way mm. to deal with him. Um, Where, whereabouts you're in Glenroy, Mary? Yes, I am. So it's unlikely you've got the little native antichinus. Yeah, much more it, likely to be domestic rats. It could be either because I'm overlooking a, a wetlands area. Mm. Oh, well, that oh. does add a, a, a sort of complexity to the issue. If it did turn out to be one of our native ones, obviously I wouldn't be encouraging mm. you to catch and kill um, and I don't know how you deal with this unless you can see the creature in in situ at some stage and work out which one you're working with Um, I don't know I don't know how to advise you beyond that but certainly if it's if it's a a black rat um, a rat traps the way to go but Mm. you know who can tell Right. Okay. So you reckon, in terms of the possums, that the turmeric, which she's already, I've given her um, a container of, that's not likely to be. I don't think so. It's strong enough. Uh, It's not going to have enough oomph when they take it into their mouth. And she was concerned in case putting anything really spicy on it would, and I said, spray the plant leaves first. That it might burn the plant no. leaf itself. No, the powder won't. No, no. Okay. Because the heat in a chili, we yes. can taste it in our mouth, but if a parrot eats a chili, it doesn't taste it. Uh, ah. It's a, we've got particular sensors that pick mm. it up, uh, and and apparently possums can also taste the heat of chili, uh, and that's apparently what keeps them away. Okay, thank you, folks, so much. Okay, it's then. a pleasure. Okay, bye. bye. 
Right, uh, next up we're going to Carol in East Bentley. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Pam. Um, what I wanted to ask was my brother's taken a cutting of his fig tree mm-hmm. and um, it's dormant at the moment and I just wanted to know where to plant it. What are the roots like? They Are they really invasive? Because I thought I don't want to plant it near the house if they are. They're not really invasive, no. but they are They're very strong. good foragers. Yeah. Uh, fig root will make its way into any tiny little crack. Mm. You can see them growing even on rock faces, cliff faces. They're, they're very good at sort of finding mm. a way to grab a and hold. What sort of house have you got? Uh, brick veneer. Brick veneer. So it's on a, on a foundation. Um, how old's the house? It's not on a foundation. Oh, it's about... Um, as old as me, about 60 years, yeah. yeah. Well, they built them reasonably well back then. Uh, I'd be really surprised if in your lifetime the fig can cause any damage whatsoever. And I'd be very tempted to grow it as an espalier along the wall of the house. Mm, because yes, they're very they, good espaliers. They make a lovely espalier plant. Their foliage beautiful, is beautiful yeah. and they don't take up as much room that way. And they can also be grown in a big tub. Yeah, well, They you make can. a great tub specimen. Mm, mm. I didn't know that. A pineapple guava, if I could ask you, when do, when do I put that in? Well, After the frost, yeah, are they're, finished. they're a bit cool. They're a bit uh, cold sensitive. So yes, I wouldn't plant any of those sort of things until the uh, warmer weather's starting to set in. Same time as you'd plant your citrus and a lot of those other sort of subtropical plants. And can I just ask you? I came in on the end of what that lady before was talking to you about. Where do you buy the possum scarabs? Bunnings or... That's well, I'd have, a look, I'd have a look That would be my first yeah, place I honest. would go and look because yes. they, it's just the sort of place that would have them. Or uh, a great big... One of the big nursery centres. Yeah, yeah, some of the big garden centres might well have them. Um, you can probably buy them online too, of yes, course, and that's they something are we all forget always, about. You know, uh, in so, the gardening magazines, they're always advertised for mm, mail order and online purchase, etc. Mm, so, yes, yeah, some of the Australian gardening magazines be a good the place. The few that are left. Uh, yes, good place yeah. to start. Mm. Oh, well, thank you very much. Okay. Good on you, Carol. Bye. All right. Uh, As I mentioned, we are running through until 9.15, so if you do want to jump on the phones and give us a call, we'd love to hear from you. That number is 94190155, You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, We won't be back again until next Sunday, so if you want to ask a question desperately... Uh, with what's been happening in your garden, 94190155. We're going next to Laurie out in Kyneton. Good morning, Laurie. Good morning, or the pleurisy plains, as Stephen calls it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how's it going up there this morning? <laughs> yeah, the lady said, is it cold? And I just said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Say yeah, no more. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, sounds fair, Laurie. I, I have a crisper full of... Um, Apple cuttings that I accumulated earlier in the year off friends and off a seedling tree that ended up producing some nice apples. When's the best time to start uh, um, grafting them, please? Well, I'd start about now. Yes, yeah. I was yeah, thinking I would the think same you, thing. Yeah, the sap starting the to move. The sap's going to be flowing. Yes. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, pick the next reasonable day to go outside uh, in Kyneton and, um, and I'd go and, and do your grafting from now on. I mean, the Heritage Fruit Society had their... Grafting day only was it last week yeah, or the was, week before? Yeah, yeah. So, so within the last fortnight. Now's the time. Yep. I, in fact, I wouldn't leave it too much longer because otherwise the sap will be flowing too much. Mm. And would there be people around selling rootstock? Uh, Again, Heritage Fruit Society um, do um, stock a huge range of them. And 
just wondering I'd, if I've still got uh, a contact detail for them. If you give me – look, if you keep listening to the show – um, yep. I will try and look up and see if I can find you but a again, contact detail. But again, you might detail. be able to get it off the net too. I'm yes, sure the I mean, Heritage Fruit Society. If you, if you Society. type in Heritage... Yeah. Um, hang on, I can, I can give you a number. Um, 5962, have you got paper and pencil? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, now, I've, now I've gone and lost the paper. Okay, <laughs> here we go again. 5962 or you could go, if you've got a computer, go to the website, heritagefruits.org. Terrific. Thank you very much. Looks like Nanook will be outside doing it today. <laughs> <laughs> Best there's, of luck with There's that. also a, uh, a farm down in Gippsland that uh, grows a lot of heritage apples and grafts them onto all sorts of different rootstocks to give them different sizes and productions. It's, I think it's called Streslecki, Streslecki Apples. And they they do a lot of heritage. Yes, yeah, so they stuff. may have some understocks available. Yes, worth, worth an ask. Streslecki apples. Thank you very much. Okay, good on you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Meryl, yeah. while you're while you're in the studio, um, I must uh, I must pick your brains uh, because I noticed um, you. Go to Japan twice a yes, year. Twice a year. One for the autumn colouring. So you've yes. got a, you're going in November, November this year. Yes. And then you also go back in uh, springtime, April. presumably for the cherry blossom. Yes. Not, time. Not only the cherry blossom. No, no. Cherry blossom is wonderful, but if you think that's all spring in Japan is all about, you're missing out on a much lot. more than half of the fun. Yes. Because there's such a plant diversity. It's it's a wonderland for plant lovers and spring flowers, bulbs, perennials, trees. It, it, it's just a wonderland. It's magical. Mm. I'm in love with Japan. I never thought I'd like it until I okay. went there. And I'm just absolutely smitten. It's so interesting, so beautiful and a land of contrasts and, and totally different to anything within our cultural experience. So it's just been like being transported into mm. a fairyland to, to visit Japan in either spring or autumn. Mm. And they are manic about plants and gardening. And it's a, a population-wide thing. What's so lovely is that you're not amongst other tourists. You're actually amongst the locals who are all going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, and we're all getting <laughs> excited together. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm asking you because I'm also heading to Japan for the very first time in oh, November okay. for the autumn colouring. Yes. And, um, yes, I mean, uh, I imagine I'm probably in for a bit of a culture shock when I hit Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo is a world unto itself, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and and to see the best colour, to be fair, you've got to get out of the city. Yes, well, luckily yeah. we are travelling Heading into and, the mountains yeah, and Osaka the national and, parks. Yeah, yeah. Fabulous. You'll love yep. it to bits. Okay. Good. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Can't <laughs> wait, in fact. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> okay. We'll move on. And we have uh, John oh, from Melton Plant Trust. Good morning, John. Oh, hello. It's um, John Bentley from uh, yes. I'm on the Plant Trust Committee. And I heard Stephen talk a lot about Plant Trust. But I'd like to mention yes. um, there's a garden tour coming up in a couple of weeks. The, it's called the Go Native in the Wild West Plant Trust Garden Tour. What a lovely name. <laughs> yes, and John, I do apologise for not bringing any of the paperwork in this morning to advertise it myself, so thank you for oh, bringing okay. in. <laughs> so so um, 
the first port of call is the Melton Botanic Garden. There'll be morning tea there. Right. And um, we'll look around the garden, at the, especially the collection of um, dryland eucalypts and small eucalypts and the Aramophila collection, but also um, take in the things like the um, Southern African Garden, the Bush Food Garden, and a lot of the native and indigenous species that are used by um, Aboriginal people. So, um, so it should, should be good. Then they'll have lunch at the garden and then we'll go around the corner to look at uh, the Willows, which is an old homestead that survived from the 19th century in the Shire of... Well, was the Shire of Melton um, and has a nice native garden and some dry stone walls constructed there. And then we'll head up um, to Bullungarook to look at um, David and Barb Pye's garden which is about two to three hectares of a lovely country garden with um, exposed views across to the top of the Lerdederg and right down south to um, uh, Anarchy, things like that. So it looks, it's really good. So so give us the details again, John. Um, well, actually, the... people need to book, don't yes. they, John? Yes, so yeah, they do need if to you book. Give them the booking details and then they get all of the information once they're booked on where to meet and how to do it because... We do supply food and things, so we have to know how many people are coming. Yes. So the best thing is probably Don Journey, and his phone number is 0439 yes. 034 yes. 194. Okay. 0439 034 194. And, yes, and there is a cost. It's $30 for members and $35 for non-members. Mm-hmm. And the date again? Oh, sorry, it's the 19th of August. Right. And you have to be at the Milton Botanic Garden at 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. While we have you on the on the phone too, John, um, you should uh, give yourself a little bit of a plug about your plant nursery and, and when that's open, because that goes towards uh, supporting the Milton Botanic Gardens as well, doesn't it? It certainly does. It, well, it, it helps the, the group fund itself and excess funds go into garden beds, equipment and things like that to help build the garden because the whole garden's being built by volunteers. Um, the plant nursery is open Tuesdays, Thursdays and the second and fourth Sundays from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Wonderful. Okay. Great. Thanks very much, John. Good right, on the people you. of Melton. Well yes. done, Melton. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Oh, bye. Yes, they've got a wonderfully active friends group with the Melbourne, uh, Melbourne, Melbourne Botanic, Botanic Gardens. Gardens. Yes, and uh, yes, more power to them. But they've also got a shire that is actually supportive, which is, the, the, is yes, it understands huge, the importance. It does, yes. Yeah. So if you've got a shire that understands the importance of open spaces and parks and gardens and the things and, it can and do and for all people, all the good benefits it gives to people—mental yeah, yeah. health, oh, physical absolutely. health, spiritual health—it's all good. Yeah. So it is. It's a fantastic thing. And the Plant Trust Days Out are great fun. So if anybody wants to get involved, we're also looking for new members, of course. Um, and just in passing, I don't, haven't got the dates in front of me, but in September we have our AGM, which I mention every year, but I'll have the dates next time I come in, I hope. Okay. Um, and it's, um, I think it's going to be at the Mueller Hall this year because the domain house oh. where we normally have it is being leased out at the moment as an art gallery. Uh, oh, is there's it? There's some art 
private art gallery that's had to close for renovations. So they've moved the whole gallery into Domain House. And so it's a commercial art gallery at the moment. And I don't oh. think it's going to come back to being part of the Botanic Gardens for a wee while. So I think our plant trust thing will be at the Mueller Hall. Well, you'll uh, have more room. We will. So, and we would invite people to come along because, you know, people think, oh, AGMs, they're boring. But our AGM normally lasts for about 15 minutes. Um, and then and, you have fun. <laughs> and then we have fun because we have our big plant auction. And so we have plants donated by members and collection holders. Um, and uh, a lot of plants that you won't see available commercially anywhere. And uh, I get up as the auctioneer and I auction off all these plants. And if there's anything I really want, everybody seems to want to outbid me for some reason or another. <laughs> um, and we have a lot of fun and uh, we raise funds for the organisation. Uh, and it means we also get a chance to disseminate some of these fabulous plants that uh, people are growing. And, and Stephen, I'll be really cross with you if you don't put the bite on me to donate oh, some plants. Yes, I, I should, Meryl, and I haven't done over the years because... You, Really, the main thing is you're just so far away. So we've got to work out how I'm going to get those plants. Oh, to... we're, we're very mobile. Yeah, all right. Well, I will talk to you about it because Good. we would love some country farm perennial plants to go into our plant trust sale. And uh, it is, it's good fun. I mean, we, we make fun of it all and we, we enjoy the evening. Uh, we have wine and cheese and things that um, uh, sort of lubricate and go nuts, people. Yeah. go nuts about plants. <laughs> yeah, and we do and we Best have a fun. really good time. So our AGM is worth considering and I will have the dates here for you next time around uh, but it's about it's about mid to late September um, our plant trust uh, AGM and it's normally on a Thursday night I think for me mm-hmm. so I'll just find out the dates at the next meeting and make sure I've got them to come in here with and let people know because we'd love to have as many people there as possible because the more people I have the easier it is to sell all those plants <laughs> of course um, and um, yeah and I often go home with things I didn't expect to buy <laughs> <laughs> well there you go Okay, let's move on. We have, uh, let me see, we have uh, George out in Preston. Good morning, George. Good morning. Lovely to hear you. Um, Tempo 2, I um, really got a passion for irises and I uh, missed out. Uh, only got in late in the program to find out where that is and I'd like to invest in some more irises. Uh, they are, ooh, they Pearsdale? It's near Pearsdale. Yeah. They, they used to be right in Pearsdale and then they moved a little out. Yeah, have they? Yes. Yeah, so It'll be online mm. yeah. for the exact address. Okay, Tempo 2. Um, I have a crabapple tree that just doesn't do any good. It just only produced fruit a couple of times, very small fruit, of course. But um, it just don't know what I can do to prep it up and just make it boost on. Mm-hmm. Do we know which crabapple you're, you're dealing with, uh, George? Good question. I uh, can't say that. No, all right. Because a lot, of, thing. a lot of crabapples are actually by nature minute, mm-hmm. tiny, tiny apples. Okay. They have a specific use for jellies and jams and, okay. and making ciders and things not to be big eating fruit. Yeah, and some of the crabapples are not big growers. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just general feeding of your fruit trees is something that you should probably be doing anyway on a regular basis, particularly if your soil's not too good. Uh, Look, any of the organic fertilisers will work. And I think the the trick is not to say, oh, yes, well, I give that tree cow manure. What you do is you give it cow manure this year, but you might give it some dynamic lifter next year or you might give it Mm. some blood and bone the next year. 
diversify the things you put down because in theory the different products are going to have different mineral and, and nutrient values and so by putting down a range of different things you'll get a range of different nutrients and values into the ground mm-hmm. um, so the theory is is to you know sort of vary it a wee bit um, and uh, and you know logically you'll get a, a better tree out of it because your soil what you're doing is you're really feeding your soil and your soil likes a yep. wide range of stuff and if you've got a well-balanced soil with good nutrients in it then your tree can benefit from that. Lastly, um, I just recently bought a coastal bank shark, and I just wonder when's a good time to put that in. Any specific tricks to make sure it keeps going? Well, make sure that it's in a well-drained site because some of your soils out around Preston and areas can be quite heavy clays. Yes, they are. Um, so make sure it's in a site that's going to drain well, gets plenty of sun, uh, don't disturb the roots too much uh, when you plant it out. Um, and I would be looking to get it out in the ground reasonably soon where yes, you are. Yes, I think so. Yeah. A couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah any time any, over the next few any weeks. now, yeah, it'll be fine. You can do it today. Yeah, because I just put it into a pot um, with some really nice soil free draining and I'm just wondering is that um, appropriate to push it again directly into the soil Uh, when did you repot it yesterday Oh, well, it hasn't been in the pot long enough to do any difference one way or the no, other. You could I think it. it'll be better in the ground than it yes. will in a pot because a coastal banksy can eventually get quite large. Mm-hmm. At some stage, it's going to get root-bound in the pot unless you keep potting it on into bigger yeah. and bigger containers all the time. And so I think, basically, you, your best bet would be to actually get it out in the ground. And any of that excess potting mix you've got around it, I'd probably dig that through the garden bed where you're planting it as well to give it a little bit more oomph. Well, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Good luck. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Right, uh, next up we're going to Paul out in, uh, let me see, out in Ferntree Gully. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Um, I have a yesterday, today and tomorrow tree. Um, been there about 30 years. Now, my wife planted wormwood underneath it and it spread like wildfire. Yeah. And I think the tree is dying because it's shedding its leaves rapidly. Yeah. Well, I would have suggested that the uh, yesterday, today and tomorrow plant um, is actually borderline hardy to be growing in Ferntree Gully anyway. Yes. I'm surprised you've actually got, you got one. Got it going. going. <laughs> um, and we have had a particularly cold spell this winter. Uh, I think it's more the cold that is affecting your plant than, in fact, the, uh, the wormwood. The wormwood. Although I don't know that I would encourage too much wormwood underneath it because I wouldn't think it's a, a plant that could cope with huge amounts of competition. Uh, but I think it's the cold weather that's knocking it about because we've had such a particularly cold winter. Is it shedding its leaves? Yes, from starting from the top down, but it's been there 30 years. It's a beautiful tree. It's nearly three metres high. Yeah, but it is a particularly cold winter this year, and yes, I think it's it more is. that Lots than... Lots of frosts yeah. in a row. Yeah, and I th- right. and if the leaves are dropping from the top, that would suggest frost. Yes, yes. it does, yep. Yeah, so right. I think it's and, more that than anything. And which sort of wormwood is it underneath, a big shrub one or a little ground covery one? Um, I'm not sure. I've not no encountered wormwood before. I only know it's it's an English import. I think. Um, no, it's a it's a it grows quite tall. It comes up to almost a meter. Yeah, but at the moment, shrub ones. Yes. Well, it's spreading like wildfire, and the rhizomes go underneath, and you can't get it all out. It's a devil of a job. Yeah, well, you will find it difficult to get out because it will be in amongst the roots of your other plant. Um, uh, I would discourage it, though. I would be pulling it out to, you know, yes. I mean, the, 
the the main plant is far more valuable and important than the wormwood in some ways, and the wormwood could easily yes. be dug up and put bits of it somewhere else in the garden if you want to keep it. But yes, I think I'd get on top of it and just keep pulling it out until you eventually get rid but of I'm it. But I'm not quite sure it's the wormwood yeah, that's I, killing it. I don't think it is the wormwood. Yeah, that's no. right. I understand. Thank you very much. Okay. It's a pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yes, I wouldn't have thought yesterday, today and tomorrow was even a, a possibility in no, Fern Tree no. Gully, but there you go. <laughs> Take one look at me and just run screaming. Yeah, yeah. So I think to have one growing at all is quite it's good. A, but, yeah. Yes, a triumph. Yeah, I would have thought, you know, coastal suburbs maybe. Yes, yes. Uh, for that In plant. a very sheltered... Yeah. East-facing position. <laughs> yeah, but yes, up in Ferntree Gully, I'm amazed somebody's got one growing. But you do learn these things from people yes. where the the exception proves the rule on a regular yes, basis in gardening. Yes. That's part of the fun. And gardeners perform miracles on a daily basis. Well, so. Of course they do. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, so, you know, it's amazing what you do see and what... Indeed. Know, and you learn something every day. You do. Yeah. N- we're never going to be bored, Stephen. No. Never going to be bored. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> So, Meryl, I presume um, you're going to have a stall up at Stephen's plant there. Oh, yes, with pleasure. Yeah. Where else are you going? You, oh, gosh. Springtime must be a time when you do get very, to a Very, very busy, yes. There's a wonderful new plant fair up at Yay. Last oh, okay. year was its first outing. Right. And it was a huge success. People loved it. So... Uh, Yay's coming up uh, fairly shortly after. Yay's the... an interesting area because there's actually, uh, I think they often have a, an open garden they're scheme very up keen there. Gardeners, they're very big keen. country gardens yes. and very keen plants people. And, and it's proving to be a, a very good plant fair. There's the, the one at the Royal Botanic Gardens yes, is coming uh, up yeah. later in the spring and yes. uh, we'll be there. There's our open days, of course, which we Absolutely. Well, you should to. tell us when they're going to be, if you can, Meryl. Ah, I, I can remember. Um, they open on the 14th of October mm-hmm. and we have the garden open to the public. It's the only time of the year that the garden's open to the public, other than reservations by groups and clubs, of course. Um, but the, the garden's open, there's lovely things to eat and drink in the garden and we have a huge nursery display. We put all the plants up on display and they've all got photographs to show what they grow like and, and flower like and people love just fossicking through and oh, finding yes. all, all the little treasures. So that opens on the 14th of October and we close on the Wednesday after Cup Day with a big sale, Wednesday oh. after Cup Day sale, and we just haul it all out and sell it all off so that we can have all the fun of making it all again over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to go to Country Farm Perennials, what is your address? <laughs> <laughs> it's 96 Langs Road, Nayuk, and nobody on earth has ever heard of Nayuk. But it's 30 kilometres north of Warrigal and Druin in the most beautiful... Mm, stunning countryside. Stunning landscape, beautiful countryside and a very interesting area to visit. So you can make a, a weekend of it. We're actually open in conjunction with uh, local very keen gardeners, big country gardens that open at the same time as us. So we can give you a map and directions and you can head off to visit some very beautiful gardens. Mm. Fabulous. Mm. Now, um, I presume you've still got bookings available for many of the tours that you're taking we, next year? We have got a handful of rooms left. For most, Is that all? For, for most tours, we've okay. got maybe one or two rooms available okay. because of late cancellations. But, yeah, we can probably get you on to just about every tour. 
And there's such variety in your tours. I was looking at the list of where you're going next year and drooling. I only go to places <laughs> I like going to. <laughs> well, I do the same. Totally yes. fair. And whilst Meryl's uh, chatting about her rooms available, I've still got two on Madagascar. the Madagascan tour. Oh. So if anybody's uh, – we'd take a single, uh, but we'd love a couple um, yes. or at least people who will twin share um, to fill my tour up because we can only take 16 people and because it's a comparatively small number uh, – there's not much meat on this tour. So yes. if we can fill it, that would be fantastic. So if anybody's thinking about it, get in touch with Australian Studying Abroad post-haste. You can go in and have a look at the, the the synopsis of the tour on my website if you want to go in and have a look at it there under my tours uh, section in my website. Um, and I would love to see another couple of people come along to Madagascar in October. But mm. you haven't got a lot of time because we need to send passports off to Sydney for um, – uh, to be stamped with visas before we go because it's a nightmare trying to get them at the airport when you get into yes, Madagascar. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so we need a little bit of time if people want to go to um, to get everything sorted for them. So uh, it's 21 days. Uh, it starts uh, the day after the Mount Mason Plant Fair, <laughs> so the 9th of uh, October we're off. Um, and... Uh, I'm looking forward to getting back again. And mm. the tour is being refined slightly again this year. So there's, we're actually getting into an area I've never been into before, the uh, Karindi Reserve, where we do a night walk looking at nocturnal lemurs. Um, and I'm particularly looking forward to this one because a friend of mine's coming who used to be uh, in part of the mammals thing at the Melbourne Zoo. So we're going to actually have a participant who is also a seriously uh, interesting animal nerd. Fantastic. Um, so uh, he'll probably be able to tell you stuff I don't know. So it should Those be good. cute little mouse lemurs you oh, see at night, aren't they, they gorgeous? They are sweetest little things. So they anyhow, are. I've still got two spaces and I would really love to fill it. So if Madagascar's been on your bucket list, it's time to do something because I'm not doing it myself next year. Um, a friend of mine is taking it over next year and we don't know whether we're going to carry on with it after that. It'll depend on bookings and things. Yep. Um, I'd like to come back and do it again in a few years' time. Yep. But, I'm doing the south of France next year and I'm doing Morocco the year after. Oh, are you? Yep. Okay, just decided. found out this week. Yep. Uh, I'll be doing the Morocco Garden Tour uh, in 2019. Okay. And Meryl, all your, all your tours are up online on the website? On the website, yes. Which is? www.countryfarmperennials.com.au. Fantastic. Just dial in Country Farm Perennials. It'll yeah, come, yes, up. You'll, you'll come up. It'll yes. come up. <laughs> okay, we've run out of time for yet another. Oh, quickly, Stephen, a caller wants to know again the name of your cute little yellow oh, flower, the yeah. Aranthus. Aranthus, yes. E-R-A-N-T-H-I-S, Aranthus. And they're commonly known as winter aconites. Okay, there Lovely we go. Lovely little plant. Beautiful. A big thank you to the team and also a very big thank you to Vicky who's been handling all the phone calls this morning. We will be back again next week. You have, of course, been listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We'll be back 7.30 next week. Until then, bye for now.